0: Go get it.
1: Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Digging Deep.
0: I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We're two landscape designers who have been working in the field for over 25 years.
1: Through this podcast,
0: Digging Deep, we're going to bring to you our knowledge, our challenges, our foibles, our stories, and our ideas to help you create the most unique landscape for you and your family.
1: Well, we are in Northern California, and it is um, looking kind of like the apocalypse outside.
0: It, It is smoky, it is ashy, it is on fire, and we're burning up.
1: Yes, we're burning up. I think there's over 600 fires in California, which is just so tragic. However, I just heard today that the ancient redwoods of Big Basin did not all burn. They didn't burn. I saw that too, and that I was thrilled to death. They said they can stand just about anything. Yeah, they're just amazing. And so today we're going to talk about, in our brief time together, planting in, you know for the, hopefully, advent, that it doesn't happen, of a fire or disaster, because your landscape can be that final front for you that keeps your house safe.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And there are certain
1: things we can share with you and also things
0: that you need to do to be aware of to help you protect. I mean, there's no 100% certainty, but there certainly is things that we can help you with that can at least give you a fighting chance.
1: Yeah, there, there certainly are. I, um, a couple years ago, the author Deborah Lee Baldwin, who her first book is Designing with Succulents. I know she's got two others. Just a beautiful book. Um, In her second book talks about how when the fires happened in Los Angeles, one of the houses that were completely, it was completely designed and planted with succulents did not burn. And I'm looking at her book and um, I wanted just to read a little bit, um, when it says landscaping for fire safety, she just gives the few reasons why succulents are fire-wise. So um, if you're okay with that, I just want to go ahead.
0: Sure, absolutely.
1: Okay, she said that with succulents, the plant tissues have a high moisture content. I think we know this, right? Right. right. Um, And also the leaves do not contain flammable oils or other volatile chemicals which many plants and herbs do have volatile oil. So that's something to be aware of. Yes. Yeah, and many varieties grow close to the ground, but even the largest will not provide a fire ladder that enables flames to reach the, uh, the, the ease of a structure. That's something I didn't even think about. Right. You know, we think about, I mean, I think about when I have clients with cats and they want to put in cat fencing, Of course, you can't plant a tree next to that because a cat will just go up the tree and then over the cat fence. So um, with fires, it's the same thing. You've got to keep these, um, you know, if you're going to plant trees and shrubberies away from the house. And then, um, then she just goes on to say, succulents stay green and healthy with minimal irrigation. So they're suited to perimeter areas that receive less water than those that are closer to the structure. So uh, we're not saying that you have to have a whole landscape of um, succulents, but it's something to consider around the perimeter. Like we're, we're in Northern California, it's hot and dry, and um, aloe vera, agaves, they do wonderful here.
0: Right, in fact, when I, I grew up and so did Roberta in the San Fernando Valley, and there were a lot of times in the hillsides they would plant for ground cover on the hillsides, ice plant, and that was for both erosion control, but it was also for fire protection.
1: Yeah, ice plant, which is um, also—I mean, there's different different species. But um, what we use here is called delosperma, right. and it so happens that once you get it going, it's actually a xeriscape plant. So after it, you know, you you've watered it and it really starts to spread. It takes so little water, and it could be that barrier that saves your house.
0: When you were talking about it it was really interesting because when you were reading the part about that you didn't want something too high so that the flames could bounce off of it like a ladder, It rang true because um, I was working with a client in Sutter Creek um, that's up in the Hill area, and they're having tremendous problems getting fire insurance. And so the the insurance companies were basically giving them a list of things of what they could and could not plant and what they could and could not do. And number one was around the perimeter of the house near the house they could not plant anything that was any higher than 24 inches tall at in in the 10 foot perimeter around the house. So 10 feet from the house, nothing could be any higher than 24 inches. So you couldn't put any trees, you couldn't put any large shrubs, you had to do low grasses, ground covers, perennials, things that wouldn't get any higher than 24 inches. And they were being very, very sticklers that for people that were putting in new landscapes, if they weren't um, holding to these requirements, they weren't going to give them fire insurance.
1: Yeah, well, I get that, but let, let's let's analyze that. Putting a tree within ten feet of your house is nuts, anyway. <laughs> right. I mean, we both go and see um, established landscapes that need remodeling, and I can't tell you how many times there are trees planted. Oh, I'd say within two feet of a house that have already crushed the gutter.
0: Oh, right. Not only that, and then the roots go into the foundation of the house. Uh-huh. And you have to worry about it's it, it's going to compromise the foundation of the structure,
1: right? Liquid ambers are famous for that. I don't know um, if you realize or if you live in a, a well planted area. If there are any along the sidewalk, I'm sure the sidewalks are buckled up <laughs> because Absolutely. of yeah, yeah. So um, so that's something to consider. Something else to consider is this: I have switched from using bark as the final top dressing for my plantings. Instead, I use um, what's called lava rock, mocha lava rock, black lava rock. It comes in many different colors. It's light and airy. And it it basically, after, let's say you're putting in a landscape and you put down the weed barrier and you cut the holes and you put the plants in and then you run the drip lines and the lighting lines, something has to cover that. And most people have been using bark. Now bark is wood chips. And it's they're flammable. Lava rock is not, and it's not just lava rock, you could use any type of rock, but lava is light, but it, but it also acts as a moisture barrier for the soil underneath.
0: I've had, it uh, in many cases, I use um, uh, river rock, but I do various sizes and I call it the dry creek bed mix. So there's some medium, there's some small, there's some very small, and it gives a very wonderful texture and it does basically the same thing. And the other thing about the bark, the problem is, is that if you want to do any clean out, like, you know, the gardener comes with a blower, um, bark just blows all over, whereas rock stays put.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And um, nowadays, bark is $40 a yard. So right. if you switch to a rock, you may, you might look at $44 a yard, but in the long run, you don't have to replace it with bark. <clears throat> you're looking every three, four years of replacing it because you have bald spots because it's been blown with the leaves and try raking that. It's difficult. So so in, in, the, in light of uh, making your house more secure from fire, um, things like using different types of rock, boulders, succulents in and around, keeping the trees away from the house, these are all very important considerations. And these are new to us. Well, not that new. I mean, it's our third year in a row where we're burning.
0: Right. And it's very important. And again, I can use some examples, you know, personal examples. When you've got a house, um, and, and I, I had told Roberta this just earlier in the week, my wife has a retired horse that's on a on a ranch up in the Winters area. And um, the horse is in a pasture with several other horses. And the fire hit the Winters area and so many of the ranches, houses and structures were decimated and they had closed the roads and we were panicked because we were afraid that the horses had been burned to death. Well, she finally was able, my wife was finally able to get up there. And this one ranch where it is, She is a very wonderful steward of the land. She keeps her yard well maintained. So she's got big negative spaces around the house. She cleans up the trees. She doesn't leave a lot of dead wood. And I kid you not, we drove up to the area surrounding us. There were Big homes that were just burned to the crisp there were far, there were ranches that were totally burned down. there were fences. The only place that was intact was where a ranger that 's her retired horse was living and this woman 's home was pristine. the house was not burned the pro- property was not burned the the pastures were not burned and that when we did talk to the fire marshal, he said this was one of the rare occasions because there was so much negative space and well maintained grounds that the fire didn't get a chance to to catch fire and burn everything and he said this is what people need to be aware of so thank god the horses are alive.
1: Yeah, well that's that's the nice ending to that story. However, most of us um well you're talking about a more rural area. So that's definitely definitely important, but for um so many people that live in areas that are up against the hills and the mountains where well, you're surrounded by native trees, that's something that um, you have to consider when you're building in those areas, or you know, clearing the area. So, so you do have some negative space between the trees and the house. It's, you know, you had a story. I had a story. We were both both of us were raised in Southern California, and um, I grew up in a, in Agora, which was the other side of the hills from Malibu, and. Right. It's, they built this little production home uh, community where we lived and we're surrounded by nothing but hills. And of course, in this summer, when it's very hot, the Santana winds would come up. Inevitably, a fire would start. All of the homes there had wood shingle roofs. And so all the dads were on the roofs, watering down the roofs. Now, I, I don't know if you can put a wood shingle roof on these days just because of that hazard, I think most of them are composite or concrete or tile. Isn't that right? Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, things have had to change. And just like, um, you know, our roofing's changed and our building materials have changed, not totally, but um, we have to change the way we landscape if you're living out of the city limits.
0: And I want to make, I don't want to sound like I'm on on a soapbox and I'm, and I'm lecturing or anything, but I will say, and this I discovered today also, every one of us that has a yard, whether it's big or small, has to develop a stewardship towards our landscape. And what that means is, and what I mean by that is, is that it's not going to take care of itself. Even if you're, Even if you're in a suburban area, you need to cut the dead branches. You need to, those people that have palm trees, not that they're my favorite, but if you've got palm trees, you've got to take the old palm fronds off. Otherwise, you're basically setting up like a big gigantic, um, uh, fire will will catch fire and it'll be like a big matchstick. You've big- got to take out the weeds. You've got to clean out the dead the dead growth. Because what happens is all of those areas, all of the dead branches, all the dead leaves, all the old weeds, are combustible and that's one of the big problems that if you get sparks even if you're not in an area where the fires are going but the the ash and the sparks are flying in once they hit the dead grass they'll catch on fire and what i'm discovering again today i was doing some consulting and i went out to some older projects that i'd worked on and um, you know i wanted to slap the people because i they were beautiful but They did no maintenance. They had dead trees hanging down. They had branches hanging down. I asked them, did you fertilize? No, we haven't fertilized in five years. It's like, did you expect the trees to grow without fertilizer? They hadn't cut down the weeds. They hadn't taken out the old branches. It was something very frustrating because I I looked at it and I thought to myself, the plants aren't going to take care of themselves. You have to develop a stewardship to, to take responsibility for it the same way as we take care of, of take responsibility to take care of ourselves, you have to eat, you have to take vitamins, you have to exercise, you have to do that with your landscape
1: yes, and if you don 't do it, you need to hire somebody yes <laughs> so, and, um, and, and that 's really important. I have to tell you that there used to be um, and this is a long time ago, there used to be a neighbor in my neighborhood who apparently went through a, a bad divorce and he just kind of gave up on everything and did not touch his landscape and it was a mess so his neighbor would call the fire department periodically and the fire department would have him would notify him he'd get fined unless he cut it all down because it was a fire hazard
0: absolutely
1: and that's we an- also
0: consider it's not only a fire hazard but all the undergrowth and everything, it is a place for um, spiders and snakes and rats and mice. You know, there are so many co- contributing factors that, that become very, very dangerous.
1: Yes. So, you know, when we do a landscape, we're, we're pretty much getting everything working. And, you know, we've got an irrigation system and it's all cleaned up. And then, then we have to let go. We have to walk away. And we're hoping, and it's happened with my clients mainly, that they do maintain their landscape. I mean, if you're going to spend the money to first hire a designer and then pay the fee of installation, chances are you're going to take care of it. But Hopefully. If you- yeah and if, hopefully and if, but if you don't do that whatever you have is worth taking care of and when you take care of it then you could add to it slowly to build the landscape that you'd like but everything you're right Michael is um it's so important to to have good stewardship or just have pride in your home and your surroundings
0: that's absolutely right I mean it it you know, as a designer, as someone in the field or anything, I find I get get very frustrated because in my own place, I'm the one that takes care of it. And, you know, I'm fanatic. I go out there, I prune, I cut, I water, I weed. I want it looking amazing because, you know, it's my signature piece, it's it's what I've created. Um, But I also enjoy it. And the reality is if you're the type of person that is not going to do any work in your yard, get a condominium or find someone. And that's the hardest thing. Most of the the people out there are going to be mow, blow and go. Um, you're not going to find the person that's going to give it the love and the attention that you yourself will probably do or someone that really loves their garden. But it's, you, you have to draw priorities in terms of what's important to you.
1: Right. Right. So, so getting back to um, this whole idea of fire, because this is a, such a tragic time, um, in California. And like I said, third year in a row in the heat and the lightning, um, it's just unprecedented, but it looks like it's something that we're going to have to be aware of every summer, every summer and, and, so, and so what's happening is the one thing
0: again it's really it's interesting and you know it's kind of a phenomenon those homes that and and i'm using for example the the small area of winters and uh, lakeberry yes, It's up in the hills the places that burned last summer um the new fires did not did not destroy any any of the residences and the reason they didn't is because last summer most of the most of the landscape was burned, so there wasn 't new fuel for the fire as it came through, so it kind of bypassed them and went to the others right. so it It kind of says to you that if you start thinking in terms of keeping the landscape the lo- lower things, keeping the trees cut um, up. Upcutting your branches so that they're not hitting the ground um, getting rid of the old dead stuff cutting out the weeds uh putting low ground covers you know like roberta had mentioned before the succulents you will have more of a chance that when there are flames when there are sparks that your house will not burn down and your landscape will not burn down as opposed to just forgetting it and and um leaving it alone
1: and just imagine um just imagine your house the way it is right now and let's say that you take two or three feet from your house and you just kind of clear whatever's out touching your house you know whatever right. bush touching your house and put a border i like to use eighth inch steel border i don't like to use right. wood i like to use plastic right. and then i put some gravel there and and gravel or rock because what that will do not only will it will it get any um you know, shrubbery away from the house, but when it rains, it'll keep a lot of the mud and moisture away from your house as well, which you know eventually becomes mold. So, you know, we we could we could talk about every type of weather and landscapes that will um, you know help you during that. But having a, a clear walkway around your house, or just enough room to keep dry shrubbery off the house and mud away from it in the flooding or the rains. These are sensible things, and these are things we have to start addressing.
0: That is a wonderful, wonderful idea. Because, and again, exactly what you said, it keeps the moisture away from the foundation. Also, I mean, it's a minor thing, but if you don't have plant material right up against the house, and you do decide you want to wash your windows, you're exactly. not you're <laughs> not stepping over all the plants and trying to fight with them. Plus, you don't have smi- spiders crawling up or you don't have varmints you know like that's the big thing um a lot of times people have um mice and rat problems because the plant material is too close to the house and the mice crawl up the plants and go right into the attic so if you've got this border around it you're right you don't have the mold you don't have the moisture you have a way to wash windows you keep the varmints out and you also keep the fire from getting
1: that close to the house that's true you know um i have i've had clients over the years that thought wouldn't it be beautiful to have like an arbor over the door and grow grapes well here's the thing rats love grapes so you want to keep anything that's sweet and fruiting away from the house as well as long as we're talking about varmints i mean we could do this about fire as well but right. there's so many things that we could look at but um that i mean things things like grapes they're big yes they are beautiful but yes they are messy and yes they draw of course you know they want to eat too these little animals so um you just don't want to keep it too close to your house
0: and it's very important i mean it, it goes hand in hand because when you talk about some of the things the rats the mice and even the birds um they'll build nests in your attic they'll build nests in your eaves and so again those nests are dry branches, leaves, nettles. Those are things that can easily catch fire. So it does, it's not just, um, it's not just varmints. It's hand in hand. Those things are also very dry and easy to catch fire. So you're you're killing, literally, two birds with one stone.
1: Oh, I hate that saying.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, I
1: know. I hate anything that has to do with killing animals, like there's another one with the cat, but anyway. I, I know. Um, but but keeping it clean is important. And um, so I, I recently took a trip, and I was on the way back from uh, way up in Northern California, and I crossed Clear Lake because I needed to get um, back to Sacramento. And Clear Lake, I think it was two years ago, burned mightily. Yes. So, but the silver lining is this. Only two years ago, it all burned, and already the growth had come back in quite an amazing way so you know it's not to say that fires are good i mean it's absolutely tragic however they do renew you know the seeds come and nature is just so amazing the way it renews itself and i think it really really demands and desires our respect
0: right and the truth is you're right fire you know fires are tragic but they are a natural resource for reseeding and um i mean Throughout history, um, Mm -hmm. where we haven't built homes, there have been natural because of lightning strikes and everything, forests have been burned. And um, it, it, it kind of is a natural progression. We put ourselves into that and we build structures and we build our lives into that and it becomes a more horrific situation. But we have to keep in mind it's not something you're not going to eradicate fires. You're not; they're not going to get you're not going to get rid of them. You've got to be able to live with them and live comfortably with what to do if there are fires in the area. So it's a it's a um, it's a give and take situation.
1: It is, and um, we I think both of us want to acknowledge um, everyone that's had to evacuate, everyone that's lost their homes. We. Absolutely. Our hearts go out to all of you, and um, we 're just trying to give you advice or give everyone advice, so you know tragedy doesn 't strike or or if it does come close you're you 're as prepared as you can be
0: absolutely and of course you know and and thank God to the firefighters because you know they have done an amazing job, but you 're right i mean it, um, when when faced with the idea that you know, you're asleep, it's two in the morning and they notify you that you have five minutes to gra- gather whatever you have and leave. I mean, that's, that is a horrifying, horrifying um, experience. I mean, and, and I can't think of anything more horrendous than that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. So our wishes go out to everybody. Our, our, um, our hearts go out. And uh, again, We're just we're going to keep up as far as landscape design goes with the changing world we live in.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it's important. I think that's why the podcasts are even
1: more important,
0: because as we learn and the truth is, no matter how long you've been in the business, no matter how much you've you've been working there are new things for us to learn, and there are requirements and things that change. I mean, before fires were, were before insurance problems and everything, um, they didn't tell you that you couldn't plant close to the house, and people were planting close to the house, and now as the restrictions or requirements, the water requirements, the shortages become more and more apparent, we have to learn, and as we're learning, we want to share those experiences with you so that you learn the same way we do.
1: That's right. And... On that note, because we are living in a time of virus and um, people are living and working at home, their kids are at home, next week stay tuned because we're going to talk to you about building an office in your landscape, in your yard, either an office or an accessory dwelling that you can rent out or rent out on Airbnb or one of the other sites. And um, tune in because we have a lot of insight and building news about that. Absolutely. So I am Roberta Walker.
0: And I'm Michael Glassman.
1: And we are Digging Deep. Thank you for joining us.